Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sacred Elohim, Dunlight and Pearl Ministry. This is Tim, your local rabbi and minister. I'm back. Um, I know you guys aren't sticking around too long, um, but nevertheless, I'm not deterred. Um, on average, I'm getting quite a few, uh, but I'm not going to brag about that. We're here tonight for another episode of the thing where David is talking about the Ruach, or the Holy Spirit, we have a new one that I'll be posting after this. Starting next week, we start back on our Esther series. Um, and we'll do a ramble after this one, because I've got his thing going out tomorrow. Actually, tonight. And I'm going to do a pre-recording going over the full series. Um, I've been working on a computer, which is brand new. I know it doesn't sound as uh, good, per se. But we will continue the study of the prophets, Esther series, and all that. I will have other things added later. I'm going to be kind of clearing out Anchor and starting fresh. Um, we will be going into a little more informative view of things. And I'll be able to teach from here. So I welcome you, praise you, love you. And I ask you, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel right now, what's going on, and pray for our country, America. And those in other countries, please, I ask you, pray for your country, pray for America, and pray for Israel and Jerusalem right now. It's really needed. God bless you. Bye.
says in Zephaniah chapter 3 that the prophet says, The Lord your God is in your midst. Yes. yes. Amen. He says, the Lord your God is a mighty one who will save. Yes. He says he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. Come on, somebody give the Lord some praise. Yeah. 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 He is in the midst. Y'all want to hear about a miracle this morning? Yeah. yeah. We were up at Columbus uh, to watch our lovely pastor Kevin graduate this morning. He took our nephew Gray with us. And about one o'clock in the morning, he woke us up vomiting. Um, it was, uh, it was uh, our first rodeo with, with that, that little boy, so it was a surprise. But it was fun. <laughs> so we, Jessica said, I don't know what to do, and we didn't know what to do, so we didn't know if to call his dad or whatever. I said, we're going to lay hands on that boy, Come on. and we're going to pray for that boy. Yes. So we, we grabbed a hold of him, laid hands on him, and we declared healing over his little body. We declared healing over his stomach. We prayed against viruses and food poisons and illnesses and covered it all with whatever it might be. And he woke up the next morning. He said, I had a great night's rest last Praise you. We praise you for hours, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we just pray against whatever's going on. 
right now, Lord, we know that nothing's going to take this service down. And so, God, we just pray today, Lord, that you would just cover this place, God. And we praise you. And we come before you today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes.
script then. Come on, bring it. Bring it, bring it, bring it.
Just praise him for about 15 more seconds. Yeah. And 
He said, listen, some of you are bringing offerings and the problem with that offering is it makes it look like I'm not a king with what your offering is. Right. In fact, Malachi goes on to say, see, we like to talk about Malachi chapter 3, talking about offering. Malachi 1 and 2 is just as good. Somebody's read a Bible, I'll say amen. amen. In Malachi 1 7, he says, the offering that you are bringing is polluted. Some of y'all got stanky, stank, stank on your praise. God says, God says, shake that off. Give me a praise and give me an offering that's pure. Yes. And then the prophet said the prophet. Prophet. Hang on to the prophet because the Bible says so. The prophet said that they had a they had a polluted offering. We look down to verse 9. This is what God said through the prophet. And now entreat the favor of God and be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor? To any of you, mm. says the Lord. Amen. Say, says the Lord. Says the Lord. The Lord said, you think what's in that shallow praise, what's in that polluted offering is going to release favor? Right. I don't believe in all that. I'm sorry you don't believe Bible. It's so good to have you back. Your husband blessed you with a trip to you went down to Tennessee, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Won't you just bless God so you got that trip down here? God said, what's in your hand, what's in your offering, what's in your praise, that will activate God's favor. See, there's a praise and there's an offering that will activate the favor of God into your life. So we want to encourage you to go to impact-ironton.com, become a partner and so into this ministry today. See the black box in the very back and, and you can give your offering that way. I believe God wants to release his favor on you today. I believe God wants to change your world. I believe God wants to change your life. Amen. Amen. Because I've seen him do it. We celebrate this weekend. It won't be the last time we celebrate it. But we celebrate Pastor Kim graduating from Bible College. So some of you that are watching today, you can stay right here because you get you can stay right down there because you you get ready to slap hands on somebody in a moment. So Pastor Kim and I, those of you that don't know, let me tell you how we met. My wife and I were expecting little Trinity, and Kim had a, she wasn't Pastor Kim back then, she was, she was Sinner Kim. <laughs> and she had a catering business, and so, and she cooks really, really good, you all know that. And so we, 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 we hired, we contracted her out to do our baby shower. I'm so excited. The menu's just extravagant. We're going all out. How many of you believe just going all out? I know we're looking for a reason to celebrate. Amen. And so we went all out. And then our, we show up and we, we had the Cameo down in Ashland. It was packed with people and there to celebrate. And the food wasn't there. And so we thought something must be wrong. We're trying to get a hold of Kim. And we can't get a hold of her, and eventually somebody gets a hold of Dave. Aren't you thank God for Dave? What a, what a great man of God. 
you want things to be about you and you get offended because somebody offended you. How dare you do that to me? How about you get over you and put God, others, then you and I promise you, you'll have a lot more joy in your life. And so I'm not going to say we weren't disappointed because I won't eat. When we ran down the road that's a little season pizza we still celebrate because your celebration isn't dependent upon everything just going right. Don't ever let the devil see you stop your celebration because everything didn't just go right. Or else for the rest of your life, nothing will go right for you because the devil will that's all it takes to stop your celebration. Hallelujah. And so months later, we were in a church service at another church and, and Kim walked in and you know how it is when, you, when you've let somebody down, you don't want to look them in the eyes and all of that. And when I saw Kim, I went up and gave her a big hug. Yes. And God just did something in that hug. Sometimes God doesn't need to slap hands on you. He just needs to wrap arms around you. You just need yes. a hug. Yes. 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 And what the enemy meant for bad, anytime you have discontent, division with somebody, that's not of God. Yeah. It's the devil that wants to disrupt, not yeah. the Lord Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Amen. She's the grandmother to my baby today. Amen. Yeah. She's she is the parent to our family. And she had a problem with alcoholism for years and years and years and issues and issue after issue. But she came to this church and God marked the spot and did something in this place. And He might just do something for you this morning in this place. Just touched her and healed her, and she hasn't picked up a drink since. And she preaches the She lives something new like nobody I know, and just graduated from Bible College with a 4.0.
put our hands on you. We believe God will do something for you because you've been walking in depression. Depression is really this man. Turn around and let him see those tears. Those are, that's the honor. That's honor to the Father right there. There's no shame in those tears. Have no joy, discontentment. His wife probably tell you he's a bear to deal with it sometimes. Amen. Because when you're depressed, you also get angry and all these other things when your mind's out of order. But God did something over there. Came on him in a powerful way. And I, I talk, some of you were here, I told him, I said, you're going to start talking so much, your wife ain't going to get you to be quiet. He told me last week, his wife said to him, said, boy, pastor was right, I can't get you shut up for nothing. Because God restored the joy into his life in just a moment. And God healed, did you hear me? God healed the pain. And God healed the hurt. God came on him and restored his
Now, he's a Christian man, but he struggled. Mother partially laid hands on him because he was struggling then with alcoholism. And he went six years and never, never drank again. And then, over time, went back, had different things happen, and he's free from that today. There's two things that you need to know this morning beyond a shadow of a doubt. Don't you ever let anyone tell you that you're not a Christian because you struggle with something. Because we all walk with a limp. We all have struggles. We all have things that we're vulnerable to. So don't you ever let anybody tell you that your value is less because you've struggled with something. And number two, don't you ever believe the lie that this is just the way that I made or I'm going to be forever. Because that's a lie. In the kingdom, say the kingdom. Kingdom. It's different than the culture. In the culture, the more you confess, the greater the sentence comes on you. The more you confess to your wrong in the culture, the greater the consequences come on you. But in the kingdom, somebody shout kingdom. Kingdom! I mean shout kingdom. Kingdom! In the kingdom, the more you confess, the greater the freedom. I got Bible for that, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, then God is faithful and just to forgive. That make a Baptist shout, hallelujah. But it don't stop there. Here's where a Pentecostal brother would take a lap. God is faithful and just to forgive, pardon, but he said, I'm going to cleanse it. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to wash it away like it was never there. When I confess, God takes it away. God's about to mark a spot for you. I heard the Holy Spirit say about you that you are like a Clydesdale. And I don't know anything about a Clydesdale. I don't know what the Holy Spirit would tell me. But you're a thoroughbred. You're valuable. But the problem is you've been in too small of a circle. You're like a thoroughbred horse on display at SeaWorld. And although it attracts money, and although it's beautiful, and it looks the part, it's not running where it was meant to run. And God says about you that you have the heart of a champion. You have the spirit of an overcomer. You have a purpose that is divine. God has given you holy discontentment in your life. And God said, I just seen it. I just saw an angel showing up at SeaWorld and busting open the fence and telling the Clydesdale, come on out of there. You're meant for more than this. And I need you to know that the angel of the Lord is on the scene today. He's busting the door open. He's breaking down every fence. He's breaking every chain. And you're about to walk out and run with a new endurance and a new level of Holy Ghost energy like you've never known before. I just heard the Holy Ghost say there are going to be people looking at you and your work and saying, I want what you got. There's a surge of energy coming from the Lord. I heard the Holy Spirit say that the drinking problem is just, that's, that's, not, that's not the issue. 
That's how you're treating the issue. Your issue is that you have a sacred assignment. You have been selected by God for service. And if you were at Clydesdale going in a tiny little circle, or if you were like Shamu in that little old tank instead of the ocean, you get depressed and start wanting to drink too. Brother Chris, get up here. God set you free from this, didn't he? You ought to shout for that. God set you free from this. How many minutes have you been now without you? It's been over three weeks now. God touched him right here. Now you can't shout like Pastor Kevin and I can over that because we were there in the house with him holding his head up when he was so drunk that, that he, he, he didn't even really, I think, know that if we were there or not there. And to see that he was able to instantly set that down. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost? Yes. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Put your hands on it. Kim, you've been delivered. Rick, you already got your hands on You've been delivered. Blake, you've been delivered from these things. Chris, you've been delivered. Where's your precious wife? Come on, bring her up here. Come on, bring her up. Bring your whole family up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Bless God for this beautiful family. Come on up here. Put your, put your hand on your dad right there. Pastor Timo, come on up here. Pastor. Pastor Kevin. Just start praying over it right now. Because I hear the Lord saying, as you're praying, you are directing divine activity for the gates to open up. God's going to give you clarity on your purpose. You're about to get so much joy, you're not going to be able to stop laughing. You're about to get so much joy on the inside of you that you're going to laugh at things that aren't even funny. The Holy Ghost is about to come on you, and you're going to get so thirsty, not for alcohol, but for the things of God that you ain't going to be able to get enough of it. You're about to, you're about to get five different Bible translations and read every one of them because you're about to be so thirsty for the things of God. In the name of Jesus, I anoint you right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to receive the power of God. The power of God. The power of God. The power of God. You are set free right now in the name of Jesus. You are set free. You are set free in your mind. You are set free in your heart. You are set free in your body right now. And the Holy Spirit say, He put your emotions back in order. He turned you how to cry again. He showed you what it's like to love again. I, oh! Oh, thank you. Keep praying, keep praying. There's, a, there's another window. Of God's glory coming right now in Jesus' name. Glory, hallelujah. Come on. There's a double portion. God's getting it right now in the name of Jesus. Bless God. Bless you, Lord. We 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 bless you. Hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. 
that it's the Holy Spirit doing for it. And the Holy Spirit said, your body is not sick. Well, your spirit got sick. And your sick spirit is having a hard time walking in that body. Your body is completely whole from head to toe. Right now. But God said, I'm about to reach in on the inside of you. My hand can grab where no man can grab. No surgeon, they can work on the heart, they can work on the liver, but it is only the hand of God that can reach through a man and touch the spirit of a man. Hallelujah! And God said, I'm about to reach through right now. I'm going to touch your spirit. And it shall not be sick anymore says the Lord. Father, I anoint him with oil in the name of the Father. My God, the fire of God is on you, a Holy Spirit, to heal his spirit, soul, and body. He's whole in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Joshua didn't do any good for an angel to show up, kick down the door, and tell the Clydesdale to come on out if the Clydesdale don't come out. That door has been kicked open. God's healed your mind. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. He has reached through and touched your spirit. Now, there's power in the confession. So, I'm going to give you this microphone, and I want you to make a public confession to what God has done for you this day. Confession brings the freedom. Walk out of that comfort zone and into the bigger arena of God. It don't have to be but three words, but you got to make a confession right now of what God's doing on you. God has touched me. For the first time in a long time, I don't feel like an outcast. Jesus, God's about to bless you for your faithfulness. 
bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We bless this family. Yes. And I bless this grandbaby, one of three. You got three, four, one of four. My good God Almighty. You can plant a church in the living room. Amen. I bless this baby today. And I bless every baby in this family, every one of them. Devil, the curse is cut off now. In the name of Jesus. They'll never know a taste of alcohol. They'll never know depression. They'll never know what it's like to have their mind out of order. They're going to be God chasers, world changers, and kingdom advancers. And there will be supernatural peace on every one of their children. In Jesus' name, glory. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Yeah. Well, yesterday, when we were up there in Columbus, we went to a military museum, and our nephew wanted one of these right here I have in my hand, so he wanted me to get one, too, so we match. But I believe it was divine appointment. It says, freedom is not free, and I want you to take this, because it's going to remind you that the freedom that you have was paid for by Jesus, but it also means that your freedom costs you a praise, it costs you some study, it costs you a prayer. So when you feel like you can't go on anymore, you gotta gotta remember that. Praise. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Come on, bless him. Come on, bless him. So I'm going to move our north. This is just a 
point of contact to where your faith and my faith, our faith comes together. I'll get you another one. And so I want you to go to sleep every night with this with you. There's no magic on this. There's oil on it. Symbolic of the Holy Spirit. A point of contact of our faith. Come over here, Chris. You believe in miracles. Get close to it. I like it. Lance, get up here. You believe you. <laughs> this man right here, he can't even walk through the YMCA without God doing miracles. How about you? He saw the picture of my oldest daughter going to prom. He sent me a message. He says, that boy's named Jacob. I said, yeah. He said, I laid hands on him, prayed for him at the wild and seen the Holy Ghost. <laughs> We believe. We come into an agreement with it. So I want you to put your hand right where my hand is. Autumn, come here. Put your hand right on the top of both of ours. Now, Autumn, I want you to pray and ask God to give them that miracle yes. baby. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now in agreement and yes. knowing what you are capable of yes. and what you will do yes. in this person's life. Trust and believe that you say what you will do yes. and you will do it. We ask in your name that you give her the child yes. that she yes. is wanting and deserves because yes. you give good gifts to your children. Yes. We trust and believe that this will happen in Hallelujah. your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Father, we celebrate yes. and we look forward to the day we get to hold that precious little yeah. baby right here in this church Woo! and give yeah. you the honor for the miracle that you've done. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 My goodness, are you enjoying this? Yes! How many are you enjoying it? Yes! Amen. Worship team, thank you for, for overcoming the difficulties today. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Are you hungry for the Word of God? Yes! You want to learn something today? Woo! We have incredible preachers here on our team. Pastor Blake being one of them, I've said it many times, he's not just a great preacher, he's one of the greatest preachers to ever come out of the Appalachian Mountains. Amen. Amen. His devotion to study, I don't know anybody that could match it. The love that God's put on the inside of his heart his dad's here today. His sister's here today. Won't yes. you bless them? Bless you, bless you, bless you. And this is another thing we do. And your aunt is here today. We bless you. Amen. Bless you. Yes. God baptized him. I mean baptized him with a love for people. Yes. My wife and I are often talking about we just cannot believe the acceleration of the anointing that's on him and the acceleration of the maturity that is on him, God is doing wonderful things to him. We talk at least two hours every day. <laughs> Some of you say, well, I talk to you for two hours every day. How's that happen? Yeah. 
See, if we show honor, it shows us that we're weak. And yeah. If we show honor, it, it is, I'm not going to kiss their hind end. I am so sick of a church culture and society that will not honor the men and women of God that have made an impact in their lives and right. done things in their lives to make them better. Amen. Right. We should honor the people that try to make us better. That's we right. should honor the people that try to do more for us than we've ever done for them. And yet we treat them as if they still owe me something. Right. Oh, Amen. I promise, but it'll get better before it gets worse. Amen. So we want to honor people. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's right. Oh, it's the anointing. It, it, ain't, it ain't my devotional that did it that day. It's the anointing. The, the, there's nothing wrong with the devotional. But it's when the anointing of God, yeah. of heaven, fills the air. And whether it comes on the scene on its own or it comes through the hand of a man or a woman, the fact remains that when God marks the spot and he touches the person, the anointing breaks every chain, every shackle, every problem that's in your life and leaves you free. In the name of Jesus. It breaks the chains. It takes them off. It removes them so that nobody else can put them on you again. See, the anointing usually does one of two things. Oh, I smiled when God said this to me. He said it'll either get you free or it'll get you frustrated. That's right. <laughs> the anointing will either get you free or it'll get you frustrated. You ever been around people that everything just goes good for them? Everything they do, God blesses it. Why? Because they're anointed. Every person they touch, they impact their lives. But I can't be like that. Why am I not like that? Chances are you can trace it back to a place in time where you was living dishonorable, you are being dishonorable, and you're not living in the principles that God has designed for us to live in. And so we get mad and think it's their fault that they're anointed and that God blesses them. Right. <laughs> no. The anointing is important. The unfortunate part of the culture that we live in is that the anointing is good as long as it's breaking chains off my family. Right. It's good as long as it's removing generational curses off my family. Right. It's good as long as it's removing shackles off my friends and my family. But the very second the pain doesn't hurt anymore, my God, the second the burdens are lifted, it's back to living with disregard and dishonor. It's my four and no more. It's me and my own, and I don't need nobody else. Yeah. Because we're just like the children of Israel. We soon forget how bad the pain of Egypt was. Right. We were living in Canaan. We were Amen. celebrating the freedom. We forget what God did to us and where he brought us from. God never let me lose the honor I had in my heart for the things and the places and the people that God used to set me free and get me to where I am. Amen. Woo! I celebrate those that have helped me. I celebrate and honor my father who has been there for me when nobody else was. He could have tossed me aside. He could have stopped praying for me. He could have, he could have said, you know what? Let's just give him some tough love and let's throw him to the wayside. Let's get rid of him. But when I was in the worst moment of my life, I still had a father that loved me and prayed for me yeah. until God delivered me and set me free. Bless God for the men of my life. Parents, mm -hmm. pastors, 
Yeah. And people, not in that order. I'm just saying, those are three things that we do. I'm going to give you scripture for real quick and we'll move on. Exodus 20, verse 12, and Ephesians 6, verse 2. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may be well with you and you may live long days on the earth. Yeah. In Romans 12.10 it says be devoted to one another with brotherly love and prefer one another in honor. It also another translation uses the word esteem one another. Honor one another. How, why can't I look to you and help you when I'm so busy looking at myself trying to help me all the time? We live in a society that does that because it's so about me, it's selfies, me, it's my stuff, what I want, getting ahead of me. And used to, years ago, we taught about honor, and then we moved away from honor and put it all on ourselves and look at the mess it's caused in our life. When you take honor from the church, honor from the home, honor from the courthouse, honor from the schoolhouse, God, I feel like preaching right now. When you take honor away from society, you see the effects of it, and that's why we're living in the hell we're living in now. Because honor has left the home. Amen. And it's Amen. left our churches. It's left the schoolhouse. Yep. And so many other places. Yep. And we have complete disregard for the people in our life. In our life that did not honor us. Or that helped us. And we did not honor them. So Jesus was a perfect display of honor. And he also taught about honor. If you look in Matthew 13, this is what he says. It says, when he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty words? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Pastor Rob Parsons says it this way. He says, Familiarity breeds contempt. Amen. Yeah. Pastor Dell knows. Woo! He says, Familiarity breeds contempt. The more you know about somebody, the more flaws you know about somebody, you begin to no longer honor the anointing on their life, and you treat them as if they're just common, everyday people, and that's where the dishonor comes into place. Right. Pastor Parsons also says this. He says when you do that to people, when you treat people as common, you divorce yourself from the anointing that's on their life. That's right. And so they cannot do nothing in our life because you resist and reject what they are trying to do for you. I would hate to think that there was moments in my life that I have missed some of the greatest miracles in my life because I tied the hands of the man of God and the link that was connecting me to God through dishonor. Mm. And so the only way I can undo that is to start showing honor in my life right. and to give honor to those that deserve it. And even when someone doesn't deserve it, as Christians, not the world, as Christians, we honor people yes. in the way we serve, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we communicate, on the job. Oh, how hard is it to honor a boss that doesn't honor you? Right. How hard is it to honor someone that doesn't always respect you? See, we live by the old principle of do unto others as they do to us. No, we don't. <laughs> because if I treated everybody the way they treated me, my life would not always be mimicking Christ. Now, would it? Yeah. I treat others as God has taught me to treat yeah. others. My love for others and my honor for others is not reciprocating based on how they treat me. Right. It's based on how God has treated me. He has given 
unconditional love, unconditional favor, unconditional forgiveness. So why could I not show you unconditional love, unconditional favor, unconditional forgiveness? How can I ever tie the hands of the one that has tried to help set me free and then turn around and look at you and say, I'm not doing it to you either. I don't like what you've done to me. I don't like how you've treated me. And we're tying the hands of the blessings coming into other people's lives. That's right. Any, you know, one moment of bad dishonor in your life, one moment could change everything in your life. Yeah. And it can ruin. Mike Murdoch says it like this. One moment of dishonor can undo a lifetime of obedience. You can dishonor the wrong person, and it, and it can really cause a disruption. It can. Oh, I know I've seen Kim's mouth. She said, Moses. What did Moses' sister do? Huh? When she dishonored the man of God and the prophet, she, she walked away with leprosy. That's what happens when we bring dishonor into the churches and into our homes. We dishonor the people around us. When you dishonor the one God has chosen, you're basically saying, God, your pick is not good enough. That's right. Amen. You might as well hold your fist in the air and say, God, I don't honor you because I don't honor the ones you put to take charge of my life. That's right. The shepherds and bishop of my soul, the Bible calls them. It's hard to swallow, man. I know. I've been chewing, <laughs> chewing on this for weeks and months, so it's okay. I, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> those people, listen to this, those people in Matthew, those people had access to the miraculous power of God to move amongst them. But dishonor led to doubt, which limited the hand of God in their life because it all was birthed from a place of familiarity and dishonor. They looked over him and said, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter? How can a carpenter ever do anything in my life? Oh, but had they known that that carpenter had built the heavens long before they had ever walked on this earth, long ago, how would they ever know that carpenter would die for them and give them eternal redemption, but yet he's nothing but a carpenter mm. to them? Because that's what the heart of dishonor does. Look at what the Bible says. It says that he went to his country, and I checked every translation I had on my desk, which was several at the moment, and I just wanted to check them just to see what they said. And you know what? They're all saying this one same thing. He went to his own country, oh, but he taught them in their synagogue. It wasn't... <laughs> And it wasn't his, was it? It was their synagogue. That's right. And see, that's the problem. When you make things yours and it's all about you, you're quick to lose dishonor in yeah. your life for the people that God interjects into your life to make you better. Amen. Let's be honored back in the church house, in our homes, and in, our, in our country. And so God can do something great in our life. Instead of letting miracles just go off to the wayside, because we want to sit and kick and flop like a bunch of little immature kids and spit and scream and yell and fuss. I've never seen such a culture. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that we continue to do these things knowing the answer. So we'll move on. The scripture teaches us to honor. Jesus told us to honor. But King David taught us how to honor. Yeah. And so if we look in the Bible today, that's where my main text is going to come from. If you want to put it up on there, if you've got it, if not, I'll read it to them. 
But in 1 Samuel chapter 18, that's where the main text will come from today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to look at three points of David in his life that God did through him and how he displayed a great principle of honor to people that was even dishonorable at times to him. We're going to see a great model and a mentor of a man who lived a life that God blessed him and prospered him and chastised him for the good and bad decisions he made. But David ultimately died with a life of honor. Yes. And we'll rehash that in the end. All right, 1 Samuel, let's keep going. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound, or others say knit, to the soul of David, so that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not permit him to go to his home, to his father's house anymore. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And so Jonathan stripped himself of his robes and his garments and his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he was successful. Listen, number one, David honored loved ones. There's three things I'm going to talk about. David honored loved ones. All right? And the reason he honored loved ones is because the Bible tells us to honor those that are around us. And he knew those that were in his life that God had put there were important for a reason. Jonathan, technically by law and by right, would have been the next one in line for the throne. Saul was king until God rejected him and removed the spirit and the anointing from him. But although God removed the anointing and the spirit from him, he still fulfilled the position as king. And because he held the position as king, David still honored him as the king. If you read your Bible, you'll find out in chapter 15 that long before all this took place, that Samuel went to the house of Jesse. I love this story. And he goes and he says, I've come to find the king. I've come to anoint the next king of Israel. And all this is going on while Saul's still king of Israel. And yet God had already rejected him. That's why he sent Samuel to find the next king. God was putting things in order. Just think, what if God came to your house to find you, to make you the next great thing in some moment in your life, and yet you got tied up with dishonor, and you said no, and you rejected it, and I'm not going there, and I'm not doing this, and you kicked the fuss and missed a great moment in your life. Right. All because of dishonor and disobedience. Amen. Well, I shudder to think how much I've lost in my life because of how I've treated other people and dishonored the people God sent into my life. That's right. And so... Samuel gets there, and he looks at Jesse, and he says, I want to see your sons. Now, I'm paraphrasing, he says, I want to see your sons, and, and he sends them out. Man, they're just big, strapping, young, good-looking punks, you know, and all these good things you women call these different birds and animals and crazy and things. And so they're, they're every bit of it, you know, and they come out. <laughs> Pastor's like, oh, my God, why did I give him a microphone?
in the field and he's taking care of the sheep. He's doing the honorable thing. He's taking care of his father's flock. He's taking care of something that belongs to somebody else. My God, I'm about to run. He's taking care of something that belonged to somebody else that ultimately probably profited him very little. Yet he said, I'll do it because my father asked me to do it. Amen. You don't have to say, I need a scripture for that. That's just common sense. He served his father. He honored his father. And so he was in the field and while everybody else is standing in line trying to get the crown, trying to get the oil. David's out there living all small and ruddy, looking like who God knows what, smelling like the sheep. And he shows up. I like what the Bible says, though. The old King James, he says, we won't sit down until the king gets here. Oh, hallelujah. And he shows up. And when David walks in, Samuel says, that's the one I've been waiting on. All the other ones right here may look the part. They may fit the part. They may even talk the part. But oh, God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. And he said, I've seen the heart of this man. And he's a man after God's own heart. Amen. The king is here. Yeah. He anoints him. You know what David does? <laughs> David didn't say, let's storm the palace. Let's take the fort. Let's kill to make a new dynasty. New sheriffs in town. <laughs> David said, all right, Dad, I'll see you. I'm going back to the sheep. <laughs> yep. A man with honor in his heart. He said, I'll go back to the sheep. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. So David honored loved ones because he honored those that he loved. And David and Jonathan had a brotherly love that was bound by honor. And here's what I like about this. The Holy Spirit pointed this out to me. He said they weren't jealous of each other's success. Jonathan, by law, and technically, far as anybody still knew, was the next. He could have been the next to be in line to be the king. Yeah. But yet David, David looked at him and loved him. And a David, a nobody, even though David knew the secret that the oil had been put on him, even though Jonathan was part of the lineage, even if he didn't become king, he still had more right to what was around him than David ever did. Yeah. By law. Right. By technicality. Okay? So, they have this covenant. And yet, David didn't get jealous of Jonathan. And Jonathan didn't get jealous of David. Jonathan didn't say, oh... No, you ain't, you ain't coming into my clan. No, you ain't coming to be a part of us. There's no room for you here. Like I said, it's my four and no more, bud. Go find your own family to sit with and hang out with. We ain't got no place for you here. See, that's some of the problems in our churches today. We get jealous of one another. Yeah. Oh, don't act like you ain't never done it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you, all sanctified and holy out there. Same old thing and getting the same old results 
Some people turned it as an insane idea or insanity, and it's true. Doing the same old thing and expecting it to ever change when it doesn't change is crazy. So why would I continue to dishonor someone that's in my life that God has put there when it never gets better? Maybe, just maybe, if I started honoring God first and then I started honoring the man that God put in my life, maybe I would see things start to unfold in my life Amen. better. Amen. Yeah. And I would receive more blessings in my life as a, as a result of honoring those that God has put in my life. Right. The Bible says they were knit together in the covenant. They were bound. That means they had a knot so tight. See, that's the thing about a knot. It's frustrating. But in this sense, it's good because the, the more you pull a knot, the tighter it gets. Right. And he said that they had such a bond with one another that you could try to pull them apart. And the more you pull, the harder you pull, the tighter they got. Man, Lord, give us some men and women that will create confidence with one another yeah. instead of competing with yeah. one another. Since David honored Jonathan and vice versa, 
King Saul made the decision. He said, well, I see what this man's capable of. I saw what he did with Goliath. Let's keep him here permanently because he's beneficial for the kingdom. And I thought about that. I thought, wow, David honored Saul. So Saul said, you know what? I'm going to put him in the kingdom, and I'm going to keep him here. And he's not going back to the sheepfold. I'm going to keep him here and put him over the soldiers or somewhere eventually. And I thought about this. Thank God for all the times that God promoted me when I was unqualified, when I didn't deserve. You want to yeah. shout for the times God promoted you and blessed you when you didn't deserve it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You want to be thankful Woo! and shout twice as loud for the times that God blessed you when you wasn't blessing others. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.
You know, some of us would be a lot farther in life and ministry if we would just do what we were told to do and, and go where we was asked to go. Amen. The problem is this. Our culture is full of dishonor, and so they stay full of doubt, and they never do nothing. Every time the pastor asks you to do something, you just do it, but you roll your eyes as you walk away, and you tell him under your breath, I ain't doing this anymore. I'm sick of being here. I'm tired of having to listen to him. Mm. There's no honor in that. Right. Wow. There's no honor in that. Amen. There's no honor in talking about him behind his back and yet doing it in front of him. You know what that's called? That's called a lack of integrity. Yes, sir. Amen. God, it's rough. But when you honor him to his face, you honor him behind his back. You know what I like about Juanita Bonham? I think he's like this. You know what she said? A guy came up to her one time. He said, you know what? Your pastor is a good guy. Your pastor is this. And all these things while people was around. And then when it was just them, he said, I bet that guy's hard work for Andy. She's like, well, you know, pastor expects excellence. He said, okay. But I heard he said this, this, and this one time. Is that true? She's like, I don't know nothing about that. I didn't hear nothing like that. But you've been around him. I, what about that woman he was saw with? I heard he was having an affair. And she said, whoa, <laughs> whoa, stop right there. She about to take her earrings out. She said, uh-uh, uh-uh. You ain't going to talk about my pastor like that because that man can have the next word that's tied to my destiny, to my family, to my blessings. You can take that stuff down the road, Jack, but you ain't talking about the one that was put over me in the church house. Right. She said, I don't think so. I wonder what would happen if we treated our pastor like that. You know what? You know, let me be real raw with you real quick. You know why it was so why, why it was so so upside down about our relationship? <laughs> Before he was my pastor, he was my pastor in life. But he's my best friend. I've known him my whole life. See, once you come into a church and you don't know the man, you don't know his flaws or nothing about him, it's easy to love everything we see and everything we experience. But when you know every detail about someone's life, then it becomes a task. So that you still remain friends with people, but you also honor the person as the senior pastor of this church and in my life. And that was a struggle. I'm not saying it was easy. It wasn't that I didn't want to honor him. There was in a lot of ways I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to do it because it was so out of bounds, because it started so odd. But blessed be God, God is faithful to do that which he says you'll do. And he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all the things that you ever asked. So it all started with me getting on my knees one day and saying, God, show me how I can love him and honor him. Amen. And that's how it happened. It didn't start by me rebuking him to his face. It didn't start by me, which I wouldn't do that anyways. I didn't, I didn't send him some nasty message on Facebook. Right. I didn't call him up and tell him how much I disagree on everything he does. And I don't like it. I'm sick of what you're doing. There was times I felt like doing that possibly. And I prayed. I said, God, take, take it out of me. I don't want that in me because that's not of you. Mm. If we could just say, God, if it's not of you, I don't want it in me. Right. And we would be so much more honorable to everybody, even our parents. You know what I love about Joyce Meyer's story? She tells 
her father raped her and molested her for years. Yeah. Years. And when she finally got away, she said, I was determined to never go back to that home and never be around that man again that hurt me and mistreated me. Years later, she blew up and got successful. You know, no dad, he could have come around and saw the money and been like, hey, honey, everything's all right. I'm sorry. None of that happened. But God started dealing with her. <laughs> and if you read, she'll tell you, she tells her story in, in the Battle of the Mind, the one of her grandson books. She talks about it too. But she said God started dealing with her about forgiving her father. Wow. Could you imagine? Yeah. And she said, God, I don't know how to do that. How could you ever forgive someone that hurt you that bad? And she sat and cried on the floor one day, and he told her, he said, Joyce, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. Mm. Wow. And you got to start somewhere in hating and resenting and dishonoring your father, who I told you to honor, will never get you any closer to him than you are right now. And so she made a choice. And I challenge you today, if you have struggles with honoring people in your life, maybe it's a parent or a loved one. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. Maybe it's someone in another church or someone in this church. You're never going to be any better than you are right now until you make the first step towards God and step away from the resentment and bitterness. The bitterness has got you tied to the dishonor in your life for that person. Mm. I'm preaching right now. You'll never get any closer to God. You'll never be any closer in ministry to doing anything successful until you say no to the world and yes to God. All right, let's take it up a notch. We're going to skip all that. Number three, David honored leadership. David honored loved ones. But David also honored the least of things. I love that. And at first I was like, what are you talking about, God? He said, David honored the least of things. David honored people, but he also honored his position. David did everything Saul said. He did everything his father said. David honored the positions that was in his life. You know why David honored them? Because I, I sometimes wonder if David knew that secretly those positions was part of the process and the preparation that would eventually get him to the palace. I just wonder if he ever saw that maybe if I put in the hard work now, that one day it'll all work out and it will get better. Just maybe if I go back to the sheepfold in the pasture, even though I'm smelling like the sheep, I'm still smelling like the oil that Samuel poured over my head. Yeah. And that oil's tied to my destiny that says one day I'll be the king. I may not be the king now, but one day I will be the king because it's already been prophetically spoken. So if I could just occupy, somebody say occupy. 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 If I could just occupy the place I'm at right now as part of the process, maybe one day it'll work out and I'll prosper in the end. Yeah. Just show some honor while we're doing it. Show some honor while you're going through it. And then leave a life that shows that you honored people. Yes. David honored the least of things. You know David, David, I like it. David never argued or gave Saul a resume for why he should serve in the palace or uh Matter of fact, Saul sent him. Saul said, oh, "I'm gonna send him out. I'm gonna send him on the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him over the head of the war, uh, the army. I'm gonna send him out and make him a captain. I'm gonna send him out and let him fight. Maybe he'll die while he's out there." <laughs> Saul said, "I'm gonna send him out and let him fight. He fought Goliath. He's good at that. I'm gonna send him out and let him fight." Now, most people would have said, "Man, I just, I was just." You, you got me here. You won't let me go to my father's house anymore. 
and you had me here in this palace, I thought I was going to shine your shoes and eat grapes and drink wine with you all day. I thought I was going to get a feather out and do all them fun things and walk around all these nice roads. Now you want me to go serve on the front lines? Yeah. You know why that was so good? <laughs> you know that was why it was so good? I was so passionate about this the other day. I said, because here's what changed in David's life. David could have dishonored Saul and said, I ain't going, I ain't doing it. Back then, he probably got you killed. <laughs> but, <laughs> truth told, that's why, that's why they had consequences back then for their dishonor. See, we just quit disciplining and having consequences for anything, for anybody, for anything in life. Right. Because we don't want to offend people. That's and right. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And we don't want to rebuke them and call them out or say anything about what they're doing. So you just continue to let them live a life of dishonor and ruin themselves. And they destroy themselves is <clears throat> what they do. Because there's no respect, there's no uh, consequences for what they're doing. Right. Back then, they would kill them if they if they treated the king like they do these days. <clears throat> but this is a different time, different place. So I take that into consideration for all you study buffs and theological students. <laughs> so, anyways, David honored at least these things. He honored people, the position, and he also honored the power. David honored people, and so the people honored David. And that helped make him great. You know, David was respected by the people because he honored and respected the king. And see, we are living in a place where people want position and platform, but they don't want to be used by God in the small places of life. Amen. You know, when David returned from slaying the Philistines, the Bible says the women ran out into the streets and they met Saul, but they yelled, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Had he been a cupbearer, you would have never heard him say, David has tasted his thousands of cups of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Being a soldier made David great. Yes. What if David would have said, I don't want to be a soldier. I'm not risking my life for you. Leave me in the palace eating pomegranates and berries and strumpets and crumpets and tea and all that good stuff that they never even ate. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
Honor produces promotion to those who display honor in their lives. And it propels them beyond their fans and their followers because it gives them favor with God. It will propel you beyond your fans and your followers. If all you're following is is your friends on Facebook and that makes you a demigod in their eyes. And you can dishonor everybody around you because you said you did one good message. Come on. Yeah. Because you tweeted something that people followed. Come on. Right. Do something that's worth honoring. Yeah. And it starts by honoring people that's doing something that's worth honoring. Yeah. yeah. You know the Bible says that David was accepted by Saul. He was accepted by society. And he was accepted by the servants of Saul's. All walks of life, because of how David honored people in life, he had favor with all three of them, which ultimately made his life very successful in the end. Because he had favor from the palace to the peasants. <laughs> they all loved him because of how he honored and treated people. So here's the conclusion. Just as honor will produce things in your life, so will dishonor. If you don't believe me, go ask Vashti in Esther chapter 1 verse 12. When the king said, hey, go get my wife. I want to show her off. Go tell her. I want everybody to see how beautiful she is. And she looks over and she she didn't have drunk for all I know. She must have been half drunk to dishonor the king if you ask my personal opinion about it. But she <laughs> said, I ain't going in there. I ain't doing that. I ain't looking around in front of all them men while they're drunk and drinking and all that stuff. And he said, you know what? All right, Jack. That dishonor just got you a one-way ticket to the unemployment office and to homelessness. Go find me somebody that will show me honor. So they went and got 12 of them. And when they got 12 of them, one of them was named Esther. And Esther caught the eye of the king. Or the eye of the king. And here's what he said. He said, set them aside. You know what set them aside means? It means 12 months. They had to sit and be bathed in oils. Now, she could have said, oh, I ain't doing all that. I thought all I had to do was put in a resume or wear a pretty dress or bat my eyes at him or flirt with him or hang out with him for a little while. I didn't know it was going to take 12 months for me to get the position in the palace. <laughs> but that's what it got her. And what did Esther do? I bet Timo knows. I bet Eric and them know. I bet Danielle knows. You know what Esther did? Esther helped free God's people. Esther helped save God's people. Because yeah. Vashti wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but because of her one moment, remember what I said earlier? One moment of dishonor can undo a lifetime of obedience. Right. And that one moment of dishonor put Vashti out the door because she dishonored the wrong person. And Esther walked right in and she honored the king. And because of that, God honored her and said, you was created for such a time as this. Yes. Yeah. Amen. All right. So number one, this is what dishonor will do. Dishonor will make you pitiful, not powerful. I stole that from Joyce Meyer's book. So don't fault me for that. I already told you about it. I've been up front with you. Anyways, dishonor will make you pitiful, not powerful. Why? I was just kidding about that. But verses 8 through 9, let's look. Saul became very angry when he heard that they had described thousands of people to David. And the Bible says he became very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, what more can they have but the kingdom? He got so upset about it. And the Bible says Saul was suspicious of David from that day forward. Dishonor produces disdain, which manifests in anxiety, distress, worry, and fear. Saul was the king, but all he could worry about was losing the kingdom. Why was you worried about what a couple women said about David? Anyways, 
and make you think different than what God said. God already told him he was the man, even though he stripped his spirit from him, but he still held the position. But he was so worried about what others said, his dishonor caused anxiety and fear inside of him. And he said, no, no, not on my watch. And disdain came inside of him and all these things. And look, I'll prove it. It keeps getting worse. Not only that, he said, he ultimately took a spear and he threw it at David. He tried to kill him. He wasn't powerful. He wasn't a powerful king. He was a pitiful king. He was letting words that people were saying on the streets about David turn into the words that was destroying his destiny. And he believed it. Have you ever believed what someone said about you? I have. People do it all the time. Dishonor will put you in a place like that because dishonor produces doubt. It produces disdain. When he dishonored David, because that was God's next in line. He started dishonoring people in his life. Compliments towards those that we honor will seem like competition to those with dishonor. That's why Saul said, what more can he have but the kingdom? The kingdom belongs to Saul, but yeah, he's in his mind. What more can he have but the kingdom? I might as well just give it away to him. Number two, dishonor. If you're taking notes, dishonor will make you hurtful, not helpful. Dishonor will make you look at verses 10 and 11. And it came to pass the following day, an evil spirit from God came on Saul so that he raved in the midst of the house. And David was playing the harp just like he always did. And there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul threw the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped him two times. Dishonor will make you hurtful, not helpful. Why? Because dishonor produces discontentment which manifests in chaos, dysfunction, pain, and disruption. David was there to help Saul. But because of his heart of dishonor, he thought David was there to hurt Saul. And so while David's over here praising God for what he's got, Saul's panicking for what he's going to lose. And he starts panicking, and so he tries to kill the very one that was sent to help him. And so I wonder in my life, how many times have you tried to kill the people around you that were sent to help you? How many times? I'm not talking physically kill them. How many times have you killed them with your words? How many times have you killed them with your actions? How many times have you dishonored and disrespected the ones around you that God put in your life to make you better? How many times have you dismissed them and disregarded them and rolled your eyes at them because you didn't like what they said to you? Even though they were trying to help you. And so Saul got so offended, he tried to kill the very thing that was sent to help him. David's over playing the, the harp. You know why? He, can anybody tell me why he was playing the harp? Because it made the evil spirit of, of, of the Lord go away off Saul. He's trying to help him. And while he's over trying to help, help Saul, Saul's in his mind over thinking all these thoughts that was never even true. He's just trying to take my kingdom. Oh, he just wants to wear the crown. Oh, all the women just love him. He's so much better looking than me. I don't know. I just, you know what? I'll just kill him and get rid of him and save my own kingdom. And that's how we as people live our lives sometimes. We try, we fight so hard to keep our own kingdom. We kill relationships. We kill members of our family, physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm so worried about keeping my kingdom that I destroy yours and anything tied to it. Because I hurt people, hurt people, so I'll hurt you before you hurt me. Mm. That's not godly living. That's not what God's called, called us to. Amen. So number two, that's over. Number three, and then we're done. Dishonor will make you sinful, 
not successful. Yeah. Verse 12 said Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed David from his presence and placed him in the army over the captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David was successful in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he was successful, he was afraid of David. And all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Last one, dishonor produces distance which manifests in selfishness, envy, jealousy, and covetousness. Because of dishonor, Saul removed David from his presence. Let me tell you something. When you have a heart of dishonor, you can mark it by the separation, the agitation, and the isolation that you have for those around you in your life. When you dishonor somebody, I guarantee you'll separate yourself from them. You'll be agitated by everything they do, and you'll isolate yourself from other people. You can mark my words. There's dishonor somewhere in the heart. You can't, you can't, you can't honor someone and not want to be around them. You can't honor someone and not show respect for them. But when you have dishonor, you want to detach from them. And so since, since Saul dishonored David, he said, get him away from me. That's what it does. It creates distance. It creates distance. Saul became desperate to stay afloat. So what did he do? He used other people as accomplices to his sinful, selfish schemes. He even used his own daughter. And I'm done with this. 2 Samuel 6.14 tells us the story that David's bringing the ark back to Israel. And it's coming back. And David is so happy that the anointing, he's honoring God, Pastor. He's honoring the anointing. It's finally come back to Israel. And what's he do, Elder? He starts dancing in the street. Amen. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, despises what David was doing, dishonored what David was doing, and God put a plague on her because of that. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, the sin of dishonor never left the family. Mm. Just like Saul did to David. In verse uh, 20, Saul says, you know what? I'll just let Michal be the wife of David. She'll destroy him. And Saul had dishonor for David. His wife had dishonor for David. Because the curse of dishonor was flowing through the family. I pray today that you don't have dishonor flowing through your family. If your father was dishonorable and you watched him do it, chances are you'll probably be dishonorable unless God intervenes and you change. If you're living a life of dishonor today, or you have disdain or distaste for those around you, I don't care what they did. I'm talking about what you did. God don't judge you based on their heart. He judges you based on your heart. That's a mic drop. Because God will not hold you responsible for what they did. He'll hold you responsible for what you did. That's right. What did you do with what God gave you? Did you honor the people he put in your life? Did you honor the pastors he's put in your life? Do you honor the pastor he put in your life? Yeah. I pray you'll let our pastor be your pastor. <clears throat> he can be your friend and be your pastor. You just got to have a balance. Don't let familiarity breed contempt in your life right. to those around you that God has chosen to bless you with. Remember this. David lived with honor. He led with honor. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 28, the Bible says 
He was rich and with wisdom, and he died with honor. He left with honor. He lived with it, he led by it, and he left with it. Yeah. And I pray today, by the mercies of God, that you, my friends, will have a heart of honor, a life of honor that honors people, and people will honor you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you. Sunday after that, Brother Dan Bohai, who his last sermon had 
over half, a million and a half people wow. tuned in and watched. Nice. 1.5 million there. Yeah. I thought we did good because we got 100. Come on. <laughs> one and a half million. I'm so thankful God can raise up a nobody and a million and a half people turn in and watch yeah. it. And I'll be honest with you, he upset some people in his lane in his in his lane because he said, I've got to go to Impact Church Ironton to preach. I'm not going in my lane. I'm not going to some of the other bigger churches. He called me and said, Dave, I've got to be there because your church is a key to the revival that's going to spread throughout the nation. I gotta come and singing and the services were long if you don't like long then you know there's so many services out there and on the fourth night the fourth night they had a three hour service where it was nothing but testimonies of what had happened yeah. in the first three Amen. nights yeah. including including a little baby boy that I call him a baby boy but he's preteen that had dealt with extreme autism his entire life and God set him free in the moment Two and a half. Both of my bachelor's degree will be in December. Okay. 
Saturday night, 6.30, be here. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Amen.